families with you and you want to spend time with them uh, today. Um, but I want to look at that one phrase, uncommon valor was a common virtue. You know, as I left our hotel, we walked to the Iwo Jima um, Memorial. We left there and we walked over to um, the Arlington National Cemetery and we, we just meandered through thousands and thousands of, of graves. And, and, you know, I don't know how interesting that is to you, but, you know, to go and stop and uh, look at the markers and to look at the names on those markers. And I, I was just overwhelmed that the sacrifice that was made. You know, people don't realize, and thank you so much, Ed, for for actually recognizing Miss Barbara because, yeah, that's, that's all right. Because it is, it is the fact that there were men and women who went and sacrificed and suffered. But oftentimes we don't recognize those who are at home struggling to make ends meet, to try to raise the kids or try to figure out how the next day is going to, uh, what that's going to look like. And, and worrying you know, intensely, will my husband or wife make it home? I mean... It's, it's overwhelming, the emotional feeling. I mean, really, in, in reality, back, back in those days, they didn't, they didn't diagnose people with PTSD. They didn't diagnose all of the emotional disorders and stresses that these men went through. And, and, and me having, you know, I, my grandfather passed away about four years ago at 96 years old. He served in both World War II and Korean War. And to hear the stories, but also, you know, understanding. You know, he was always sharp, very intense person, and uh, you know, very disciplined. When the kids were as as us as little kids were around the house, you know, I always wondered, does he even love me? <laughs> he was so uh, very militant on making sure everything there was order, and and um, and I realized the hardships. One day I had the privilege of sitting down with him and listening to stories and having a greater understanding of why he was the way he was and the struggles that he faced, the struggles that my grandmother faced. And uh, I'm thankful to have a military family. I'm thankful to have two, three brothers who served, multiple uncles, grandfathers. My uncle he was telling me about his experience. He served for 32 years in the military, retired as Eastern Officer 4, and lived in Germany for 18 years, lived in Korea for two or three years. Um, he was telling me in Vietnam, he was a helicopter pilot, uh, a medvac pilot, and he was telling me of different missions that he had went on, and one of those missions was when he flew in to uh, on a on a emergency call to evac a group of guys who were taking fire. And in the process of doing that, they were loading into the helicopter, and as he was taking off, he felt the, the fire from the enemy taking on, on his helicopter. He said that the, the bullets hit so hard under his seat 
that he, he was afraid to look down. He just thought that, you know, if I look down, I'm gone. I mean, he, he just assumed that his legs wasn't there. I mean, it hit so hard. And he said, I, I just, all I could think of is I just want to get these guys back to safety. He said he flew all the way back to where they were to be disembarked, and he landed, and, and finally, he said, I took this deep gasp of air, and I, I was brave enough to look down. He said, and if it wasn't for the action, he said it actually came through the helicopter, but the bottom of his feet saved um, his legs. I say what, people don't recognize the sacrifice and the the close calls that a lot of these great men and women have gone through and to hear Cornelia talking about uh, being a prisoner of war for a season and, and different ones who have struggled with uh, all types of battle and, and to think Ed I, I know that uh, you talk about Janie uh, putting up with you but to think of what you went through and and, and these couples working through those emotional uh, travesties and struggles that they have to face. And I honor you guys. I'm so thankful for, for you because when I walked through that, those um, graves and we went over to see the changing of the guard, and I was, as I was walking away from that, I actually pulled out my phone and I, and I typed this phrase out. I, you know, I don't know if it's something that I had heard before or what, but I wrote, Valor isn't devoid of fear. It is resolve in the face of final verdict. Valor isn't devoid of fear. It is resolve in the face of final verdict. It's knowing that, that there's a plan. It's knowing that that there's an ultimate end and I'm going to stand no matter what, I'm going to stand in face of whatever comes my way, whatever challenge may happen, no matter what uh, may present itself to me. It might be difficult, it might be overwhelming, but, but I have a resolve that no matter what, I will stand for a final verdict. It may be that this is my final hour on this side of glory, but one day I will stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords and I will know that I know that I know that I am His and He is mine. That is my final verdict. And so I thank you so much to, to look at virtues. It says an uncommon virtue and I started thinking about virtues. What are virtues? And, and, and really they can be fined as as character can be found in so many different ways because when you look at virtue uh, in the in the Greek it literally means moral excellence and I believe that God wants us to have a moral excellence come on somebody amen and 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 there's different ones who describe it in different ways some people say it's integrity it's honesty it's loyalty it's respectfulness it's responsibility it's humility it's compassion it's fairness it's forgiveness it's authenticity it's courageousness it's generosity it's perseverance and all of those would would say yes that's what it is but in reality it is something that we have to that we have to walk in we have to walk out we have to display i looked at one passage of scripture and it was in second timothy chapter one 
verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory, and the word is virtue or excellence. God called us to a life of walking in His own glory and to walk in the virtues that He has displayed. What are those virtues? The virtues are walking as excellence. And I love the fact that it goes on and and, and it says, verse 4, For by these He has granted us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by its lust. By living out the virtues, the excellency, the moral excellency that the Lord himself has called us to, we are able to partake of the divine nature. Think about that. We're able to partake of the nature of God because we live out the virtues, the moral excellency that the Lord has called us to. He's given us everything we need. Somebody say everything. Everything. Not just something. Not just a nugget here in a while. I mean, I was talking to somebody this past week and they were saying, you know, God has me on this great journey. I know where he has taken me. I just don't have the roadmap of how to get there. And I believe that every one of us understand that we can read the back of the book we know that we're victorious we know that there is a plan that God has and 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 I'm so thankful that God gives it to us by nuggets because in reality is is if we had a GPS we would try to reroute the plan how many likes the shortest route how many likes the fastest route (laughs) because you know I, I type into my GPS and the fastest way to get to my parents uh, is going down 129. Well, I, I say fa- the shortest way. The shortest way is to go through 129. Now, you know, we all know what's on 129. There's a bunch of curves. And I can take the shortest path, but but it takes longer to go the shortest path. And I think so many times we, if, if we knew exactly the way or the plan that God had, we would reroute the plan. Wait a minute, God, that seems a little bit too tough or that seems too hard or that seems too difficult. And yet, uncommon valor was a common virtue. Being able to say whatever the cost is, Whatever it's going to take to get there, whatever the sacrifice might be, no matter what it takes, we will win this thing. We will fight with all that we have. We will give everything that we can because we know that we will win. Amen. And we can't short-circuit the plan. We have to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, however you want me to get there, God, I will follow the plan. Now, we might not always like that. I guarantee you the soldiers who, who fought in various wars, I guarantee you the soldiers who had to see friends die and have to bury their friends. Bill Martin, one of my closest friends, 
up in the same town. He was, uh, when I was youth, when I was associate pastor at Hopewell Church of God, he came on as the youth pastor as he was getting his master's degree to become a chaplain. And, and Bill, after he became a chaplain, went into uh, Iraq as a chaplain over a group who was on the front lines. I lost contact with Bill for almost two years, and when I saw him at a general assembly, I saw a different person. I saw a person broken by war, broken by the sight of all that he had to face. The emotional stress. I gave him a hug, and he just broke down crying right there. This is a guy that's, you know, huge. A man, a, a man... A man's man, but yet seeing and having to perform funeral after funeral and having to communicate with parents and loved ones back home, it was heartbreaking, devastating. And I asked him, I said, is this what God's called you to? He says, absolutely. He said, I'm so thankful. As much as the pain I feel as much as the hardships that I have faced, I'm so thankful that I was able to be there in the most crucial moments to love on some people who were struggling and to lead them to an eternal salvation, to lead them through the gospel of Jesus Christ, to baptize so many of those that I actually, that actually I lost later on. He said, to know that I'll get to see them again. Uncommon valor was a common virtue. It's a struggle for me today to think of so many who who are looking for safe spaces, who are looking for ways to get out of or get away from the sacrifice. As one president says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Where is that anymore? Where is the the uncommon valor of saying, let me go. Where's the, where's the pride of saying, this is my country. This is the place that God allowed me to live. This is the most benevolent country in the world. This is, has been the agent to, of, of evangelism to reach into multiple uh, um, cultures and nations around the world, and we're still the most giving nation in the world. And yet so many now belligerent and batter the very fact of who we are, the very foundation that we were based on the Ten Commandments and the love of God and the passion of Christ Jesus. And that was what the virtue that really built the foundations of who we are as a nation today. And to look at so many who now trample it under their feet, who want to wipe it away, who want to turn aside, who want to turn their coattails and say, I don't want to be a part of that. Sometimes I just wish Everyone had the privilege of living outside of this country. That everyone could have the opportunity to live in a third world country for a month, three months. To realize how really blessed we are. To really understand the privilege that we have. We have privileges to, we can talk about anybody. You can come right now and you can just tell me what for. Because as you're right. But there's a right that we 
so often bury as Christians, and that is our right to share the love of Jesus Christ, to, to bear the arm of the Word of God. I mean, so many people have tried to tell us, you can't carry that to school anymore. And we're, what? Who said? I mean, this is the sword of the Spirit. This is the greatest weapon we've ever been given, and yet the world tries to trample it. It's tried to water it down. It's tried to say that it's, it, it, it's not valid. It's, it's not relevant. They try to disprove it, and yet it is still the, the number one selling book in the world. Why? Because it is God's Word. And it's something that's not meant to be put on a shelf. It's something that's meant to be open and read. It is the battle plan. It is God's uh, path to righteousness. It's God's plan of action that He's given us for eternity, not just to win one battle, not just to win one war, but I'm talking about the war of wars the, because He's the King of kings and God's called us to be a people of the Word and it's time for us to stand up and share this Word of God. We need, once again, a, a valor that is not afraid, that is, not, that is a moral excellence to say this is our privilege and we've got something to share and we need to share it. We have to be careful not, because I think that we get cowardice and we back in a corner by the world because there's so many voices who try to hinder the plan of God. Because this is intimidating to them. They don't like this because this means they've got to change their life. They don't like this because this means that all of the pleasures of this world, they have to say, you know what, I've got to surrender it to Jesus. They don't like being defined. They don't like to... To say, well, I, you can't live that way anymore. Am I right? Because when you surrender to King Jesus, Brother Rick, you are renouncing everything of the past. You're renouncing an old kingdom. You're renouncing everything of the past. You're saying, I now turn my life and everything I have over to a new kingdom plan and a new kingdom. And that's hard for especially our westernized mentality who has been blessed that we're so cursed sometimes because of our blessings. But I recall some, just as there were great men who have served in our country and who have been, we've been blessed to uh, participate in their lives because it's because of them that we have the freedoms that we have today. But that story even goes back in the Old Testament. There were many mighty men who gave us the freedoms that we have. I recall three specific men that were assisting, were considered the mighty men of, of David. Joshua Bean was one of them. And, and the Bible, he was the captain of David's army and, and he was famous for slaying 800 enemy soldiers at one time. Wow. Now, we don't have the details of how that happened, but I can tell you this, that was heroism, heroism at, at its greatest, right? There was Shema, who was, who was uh, brought victory by the Lord's help, and he risked his life just, offend, just offend, to defend a plot of land with some lentils and some barley. Why? Because it was God's land. It was God's 
place, and he was going to defend it to the end, and he defended it, and that what that meant was to honor God and to glorify the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? Eleazar was another one of those who was the tribe of Benjamin who fought alongside of David and against the Philistines, and while the rest of the Israelites were, were, were retreating, it was David and Eleazar who actually stood there and fought. The Bible literally says that he fought so long that the sword was welded to his hand. God honored those two that day and gave them a great victory. But as I was reading, and I, I'm going to read this, and, and I'm going to close in about five minutes. In first, Second Samuel chapter 23, Starting in verse 13, it says, Then there are, sorry, then three of the thirty chief men went down to the harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop and the troop of Philistines encamped the valley of Rephim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with a with a longing. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is... someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem which is by the gate so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David nevertheless he would not drink but poured it out to the Lord and he said far be it from me O Lord that I should do this it is not it is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, be, therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by three mighty men. You know, what I recognize about these three men was, first of all, they were close. They were close enough to hear the very desire of King David. And, and then... To realize that in the midst of being close to David, they were also committed. Because they were committed to being willing to, to, to go out and make this great sacrifice for David. Now you've got to realize that this is harvest time. It's, it's a dry season. In other words, there's no water coming from the cave. And David, probably all of his men were... Longing for some good fresh water in the midst of this time, and so here he was, and he's he's, he's probably just sharing a, a simple desire. Man, I'm thirsty, right? I mean, how many just sometimes talk to yourself a little bit? Man, I'm thirsty, Kimberly. You do that? I'm thirsty, and yet here are these three men alongside of him, thinking, "Man, the king's thirsty. Let's go get him some water." so they were close enough to hear his desire. You know, I think sometimes we 
we need to understand the necessity of getting close to the Lord. We need to pray continually. We need to, to worship, right? We need to draw near to Him so that we can hear His voice, so we can have the desires of the Lord. But then He committed Himself. They were committed to Him. And, and so they were committed to going out. And, and what's crazy is the Bible says they broke through the ranks of the Philistines. Literally, the third thing is they were courageous. They were, they were willing to do whatever it took to make sure that the pleasure of the king was taken care of. I think today, reflecting on uncommon valor with a common virtue, I believe that, that if we would once again get close enough to the Lord to hear His call, that we would commit ourselves to the plan of God, commit ourselves to trusting Him. How many understand that we live in a non-committal world? I mean, it is more common for couples to live together now because they're afraid of commitment. Afraid to, oh, that's a long time. Grace, a long time, ain't it? Break it quiet. uncommitted to they're uncommitted to relationships they're uncommitted to jobs and jobs aren't committed to people anymore it's all about a dollar sign and a market value and all that people don't mean anything anymore it used to be that it was a pride to work for a certain company because man they take care of their employees it meant something but no more there's no commitment and, and, and where it falls off is, is there's no commitment not only in a worldly sense, but there's no, no commitment to God. And if we don't find a true commitment to the King of kings and Lord of lords, why would we expect there to be commitment in anything else? Because if we're committed to God, we will follow Him wherever He leads us. And if He leads us into places that we might not want to go, we're, we're so committed to Him, we'll go there. We're willing, Lord. close to the Lord and to be committed to Him, it takes courage. You play something like ukulele? It takes courage. You know, I'll tell you what. I've, I've had the privilege of working in the, in a school system the last few years. the Word of God. It's, it's cool to be bisexual. 
it's cold or it's cursed. I get it, man. I, I, you guys who homeschool, I get it. Because it's a, you, you, <laughs> my seventh grader comes home and says, Daddy, I don't like it because they just, they cuss all the time. seventh grade dude my mama would have washed my mouth out with soap I mean I remember the the first time that I got mad and said a bad word to my mom it was not a good day and she would still do it get the fact that, man, life's become so political. Our children are facing so much political turmoil. They can't even have a voice anymore because, you know, if you live for God, you're considered, you know, a radical, irrelevant, intolerant, all these things. supporters of these young people. We need to be backers of the voice of God. We need to be encouragers of young men and women to say, you know what? You're not going to avoid the world. We live in it. Whether you're homeschooled or not, at some point you're going to have to walk into a job where you're going to face ugliness. And we as a church need to understand our role as men and women of God is not to pamper and water down and give them a diluted word that, 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 that makes them feel good. It's to give them a conditioning, an understanding of what this walking out this word will be. It will take being close to God because you can't do it without being close to God. It will take commitment because there's going to be days, there's going to be moments when you're cussed out, when you're spit on, when you're made fun of, when everybody says, you're, you're an idiot. Why do you believe that stuff? Megan, I guarantee you in, in a Ph.D. program, you, you, you face all kinds of varying ideas that you, have to, that you have to stand up for. And you're looked at as a minority because the liberal mentality of and philosophies that are faced in higher education today are tremendous. Believe me, I, I'm I'm scared to death. My son's talking about going to Princeton. I'm thinking, oh Lord Jesus, please don't. You know what my prayer is, God? I pray that somehow I've had the moments to instill in him a value and a virtue that is unshakable and that no matter what he faces that he'll be able to stand firm in your word and that he will remain committed to the truths and values of who you are because God out there it's going to be rough it's going to take courage man 
I know that we look at young people these days, and man, they're weird as all get out. Right? I don't understand kids anymore. How many said that before? They've gone crazy. I remember Anna, Anna used to not want to be a teenager because I, I told her, I said, you know, when, when you get to be a teenager, an alien comes and sucks your brain out. And somewhere around 24, it comes back. Somebody said 34. But the fact is, is that we all were that weird kid. We all did things that our parents thought were, what in the world's going on with you? But at what point do we as a, as a congregation, as a local body, say we value young people so much that we want to make this a center where we can disciple and train and equip the next generation for what they're going to face out in the world? Look, we can, we can be the ostrich and stick our head in the sand and say, Lord, let it pass. It's getting worse. We can build a bunker in our 1950s model, say this is where we felt God, and oh, I'm so happy to be right here, and, and let them go to hell in a handbasket. Or we can say, Lord, they're weird. I don't understand them. I don't like their music, just like my mama didn't like my music. But God just as you cared for me when I was weird and dumb and going the wrong direction, I care about them. And Lord, whatever it takes, I'll be courageous enough. It might not fit my, my desire, it might not fit my preference, but what I will do is I'll be bold enough, courageous enough, and committed enough, and close enough to you that I will lead young people the throne of God I will once again value the word more than my preference and I will show the love of Jesus to a generation that needs to understand what the uncommon valor was all about that needs to grasp a hold of the uncommon virtue virtue that I understood. Look, we don't have anybody to blame but ourselves for the way the world's going. Generations of the church digging in, hiding away from living out this word on the streets every day. It's time to stand. It's time to be bold courageous. My kids need you to be bold. Your grandchildren, your children need you to be bold. They need you to carry, be bearers of the word of God. To live it out. It's not time to be cowardice. It's not time to run from. It's time to lift up.
Amen. Can we make that commitment today? Can we say, Lord, I don't know what that's going to look like for me. When the Word says that the righteous are as bold as a lion, I don't know what that's going to look like for me. But I know this. I'm ready to change the world. I'm ready to be a world changer. And may it, may it start in my home. May it start in my family. Who else is willing? Would you stand if you're willing to say that today? I want to be a world changer. Father, today we recognize three mighty men in the Word of God who did profound things for the kingdom of God. And Lord, we in the process also recognize men in this room who stood and fought in circumstances and conditions that, that many of us would even cringe to think about. And Lord, many of us did that for the purpose of, of the freedoms that we have to share this gospel, to live out a life that is ordained and anointed and appointed by you. And Father, I pray that, God, that we'll take this on as a challenge. Lord, as much as it might be excruciating, the sacrifice that, that might be before us, God, let us look at the value of a soul. Let us look at the value of young people and children who need to hear truth, who need to see a life lived out before them and not afraid of sharing, but willing to embrace them and say, son, daughter, grandchild, there's a, there's a way that, that might be tough, but I'm telling you what, it will be eternal value if you'll just surrender to it. Help us to live that life. Help us to be willing to, to walk in it uncompromising. Willing to be sacrificial. Willing to love even when it hurts. To know that there's another generation. That we're not a dying breed, but there's another generation it's going to gain life through what we give. God, we commit ourselves today, one, to be close to you. We commit ourselves to be committed to your kingdom plan. And Lord, we surrender ourselves to be courageous to whatever it takes for your kingdom purpose. We love you. We love him. And you just.